Hello and welcome back to the Coconut Grove podcast. This week you have Katie and Ashley here speaking with Jocelyn. Jocelyn is going to be teaching us about period health and hormones. So stay tuned and get excited. It's a good one. How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm doing okay for almost nine o'clock on a Monday. I feel like Mondays are always my longest and most difficult day. And today I'm like, wait, where did the day go? I know. Yeah, it was a long day. It was difficult for sure. We had as you know, um, and the reason why we were delayed was we had a couple of um, urgent cases added in and that they were very emotional and v- they just threw me off. Um, but we made it. We're here. So, yeah. Yeah. Monday's hard. But you did something fun over the weekend. I imagine that's your stories and fun updates. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell. Do tell. Okay. I'll spill the We tea. already know because we <laughs> listened to last episode, but we've been waiting for these details. Exactly. I'm like, oh, I should make a TikTok with my videos and just like help people learn about this amazing part of the world. So my current obsession is my stories and fun update this week, which is Valle. I can't say it. I still don't know. Valle de Guadalupe. And so this is, uh, like I said in the previous episode, this is about an hour and a half south of the border at Tijuana, San Diego. And it's accessible by driving or taking a tour bus or whatever and it's basically like this cool little valley full of up-and-coming wineries and hotels and glamping and whatever you want and uh, I didn't even say but it's in Mexico obviously and yeah we spent the weekend there so we arrived on Friday night late we just left after work which honestly telling you these details are somewhat important because that means that anyone could try that We took our own car, and I think we arrived at 11 p.m. I'm not sure I would suggest people to drive around on roads they're not familiar with in the dark, but we didn't have a choice because we booked the hotel, and that was that. But I will say that the roads were very uh, easy to drive on, and it was pretty easy to navigate, and we arrived, and everyone was super welcoming and friendly. We stayed at this place called Casa Mayoral, and it's just like this super adorable little ranch. They have chickens and donkeys and a ton of dogs and cats. And there's just like birds and squirrels and everything. Um, And it's just really chill and relaxing. So we just hung out there. um, And on Saturday, we checked out some wineries. Uh, They are a variety of qualities, which is actually really cool because then you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, that was really good. Oh, that, okay, that was okay. And just kind of see and like learn. So I feel like I learned a lot about wine, a lot of really um, informative tours um, and like really invested staff, I would say. Like everyone just seemed to really love their job and want to go above and beyond for you. And it's just amazing how well um, people speak English and like will cater to your lack of Spanish. So I appreciated that. And then on Sunday, uh, I would say the highlight of the second day of the trip was um, this lunch we got at a place called Fauna. And I'm pretty sure it's a Michelin star. I 
I'm going to like nerd out with Nestor. But anyways, we got the omakase lunch and it was six courses and we were there until like 4.30 and it was mind blowing. Like, nice. oh my God, it was like a, a seafood feast and like a flavor carnival and like, and like Mexican inspired, obviously, um, but not like what I would traditionally think of Mexican. So I guess it was more of like the rural and the seafood kind of. Uh... And just the setting, like I'll post a picture, but there was just like, it was like this rocky hillside and it was just a, like carved in. Um, and there was just a lady, a couple of ladies like building tortillas with like smoke coming out in this like super fancy place that just seems so um, like strange in this this like environment it just it was just so gorgeous so anyways 10 out of 10 recommend uh the valley to anyone who's in southern california um and see previous episode for a few of my tips um and if there's interest i'll do another like shorts on it um or i can make some tiktoks for everybody <laughs> but yeah oh, nice. so that's that's like what i did and that was um story and fun update <laughs> what about you Nice. That sounds really fun. Um, I'm excited to go. Um, Nestor, uh, you're right. Uh, I don't know about that specific restaurant, but the, that area does uh, service a lot of Michelin uh, chefs specifically. Um, so there's going to be a Michelin event this fall um, in the Valle de Guadalupe. So uh, Nestor's like, I already got his tickets. Uh, like, I know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he's, he's so funny. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> It's like, of course. Yeah, I know. I'm like, it's it's very obvious to him. I'm like, yeah. So he's like, yeah. I he's like, Nancy Silverton's gonna be there. My favorite, my favorite chef. Yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm cool. like, I don't know. I just eat. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. Um, but I do know Nancy. She's great. So, um, that'll be a really fun event. Um, okay. So my story slash fun update is not really much of a story. I just had to plug it in somewhere. So, you know, the Dolly mini, the AI we talked about in previous episodes. So I, I got into the full uh, program. So I applied like a while ago. I don't know how many months I've been waiting, maybe two or three. Maybe it hasn't even been that long, but I finally got my like acceptance email the other day and spent hours making logos with Nestor for fake brands that we're dreaming up and then it was like your credits are out and then we were like wait we have credits so we like look it up and it's like buy 1,000 more credits for $15 and we're like okay cha-ching so we're going to be spending our hours there on the dolly just like making art and make remaking are you going to make a coconut grove logo are you going to put that on the rebrand not straight from it, but what I do love about it is that like I can I can create a concept to give to an actual designer and be like, this is what I'm thinking. This is, you know, the things that I'm thinking here. You know, I swap this out with that. Like, cause it can only give you so much. It's not going to pull out the specific vision in your head, but it can get you so much closer if you don't have design skills or if you don't have time or patience and you're like, I know what it looks like. I just need to put it on paper. I think that's what the dolly is so great for. Cause like for the first time, we were seeing like our logos, like in that we've had in our heads, like on on a screen, and like not the perfect way that we were thinking, but so close that I could hand it to somebody, and they could finish it up, and it'll be like my perfect logo for some of like the products that Nestor and I dream up. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really cool program. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Um, so tell us what your sunshine medicine is this week. Well, I guess it's been just like connecting with a couple of friends. Um, definitely July is like a hot birthday month. So I've been sending a lot of messages and receiving a lot of messages from people. And it's just been so sweet to be reminded of like how much people love me and miss me. And I'm not saying that to be conceited. Uh, it just literally, I was surprised like how many people sent such nice heartfelt messages for honestly, like a whole week. And I like, I don't feel any, like any resentment towards like late birthday messages or early birthday messages or birthday messages that barely like hit the day. Honestly, it does. I think it's so sweet that anyone went out of their way to type me a message or send me something or just think of me. And that made my whole week so that's my sunshine medicine that's so cute i think that's also perfect because what else would be i love that um my sunshine medicine is more material um i was watching a tiktok with nestor the other day and it was like basically just like a bunch of photos of this girl's like apartment and she's just showing off her design style and we pushed pause on one of like the photos that she showed and in her apartment was this like chips and dip bowl but it was shaped like a pool with like people sitting in the pool and immediately I had to google what the heck this was because I needed to buy it I bought it within five minutes (laughs) of finding it on ebay I'm I'm straight up obsessed I have to post a photo I haven't shared it with anybody or anything like Nestor's the only person that knows because like he was encouraging me um it's so cute it's from 1995 it's a really large ceramic like chips and dip bowl but on one like it so it's got two sections one for the salsa and then one for the chips so in the salsa it's like a smaller pool and it's like it says like no diving all over it and it's got like an old balding man like sitting in the pool so if you like pour salsa he's like sitting in a tub of salsa and then you've got like on the the main pool side where there's chips there's like this like old lady with a little hat on with like a water cap and she's just like sitting with her feet touching the pool And then ours was broken, so we didn't get, like, the full piece, but we still spent $75 on it, so. Oh, my gosh. I needed it, Ashley. I needed it, and I'm so glad I bought it. Sounds amazing. (laughs) It's so cute. You will die when you see it. It's literally my dream chips and dip bowl. I'm obsessed (laughs) with it. So that's my sunshine medicine. Nothing has brought me so much material joy in so long. I love it. (laughs) I think that that Like I said, within five minutes – yeah, within five minutes of seeing it, I bought it, and it was $75. I've never bought anything so impulsively, especially vintage. <laughs> that is But the hilarious. thing is, it got here in two days. What? One day to ship, oh one God. day to arrive. It, was it from Service. LA? Was it someone who already had no, it here? somebody random in, like, middle of nowhere, U.S. Yeah. See, they were like, this thing needs to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. were like, bring her here. She will be yeah. loved. <laughs> Yeah. The thing is, the the full complete piece, like, so there's, like, the piece that I'm missing is a diver, and he's, like, on a diving board, and he's, like, about to jump into the chips. I don't have that piece, but the full, like, actual chips and dip thing was $500, the complete set that I saw. So for $75, I feel like I got a bargain. Yeah, you can, so, like... Yeah. You can like glue a leg. I'm fine not having that that diver. I know, for real. (laughs) Yeah. Like, whatever. I'll send you a photo. That is so cool. Yeah, I have to see this. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, Well, what are you looking forward to? 
Um, well, I'm actually looking forward to hanging out with you in person. And hey. yeah, and um, doing some creative stuff. Um, so I'm really excited about the photo shoot because I think that's going to be so cool. And I've never really done like, like I've never really been in a professional photo shoot that much. Oh, it's going to really. be a blast. So I'm so excited. So like to plan together and like hang out together and do something creative and then the photo shoot. I'm excited. <laughs> that's too. what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. Is that the same as yours? No, you have something else. No. Oh, what? tell us about what you're looking forward to. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to starting therapy. I have been on the hunt for a therapist for like at least six months now um, since kind of starting my ADHD slash autism discovery, self-discovery. Um, so I finally found a therapist. Like I've been looking forever and wow. I think she just like popped up because she just had availability finally. Cause I've been looking for months, same criteria, nothing's changed. Um, I just needed them to be within the state of California. And if they weren't local, they needed to have telehealth. And then they just needed to have experience with adults with ADHD and autism. That was it. But like, you would not believe how hard that is to find. Um, so I had a call with this, um, with this therapist and was basically like, do you have experience like with adult women, especially people who've gotten diagnosed late in life? And she was like, yep, we, you know, this is something that I deal with pretty often. She's like, but I only have one time slot left. And if you don't take it, then I have to give it to somebody else. And I was like, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I'll drop everything. Don't worry. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I start, uh, this week. That's so exciting. I, I think that's going to be cool and a lot to talk about in the coming weeks, I'm sure, as we figure out how it's working out. Yeah, agreed. So, Ashley, what is hot this week? Okay, so you said to just go with my gut and tell people what I truly think is cool. Yes. And um, so last week, I think you did some TV shows. We haven't had any, like, what I'm watching on, on our What's Hot for a while. Um, so what I'm watching, what I just finished, and what is my What's Hot for this week is um, – a Netflix show that I binge watched called Alone. I don't know what series or what season I'm on, but what's it about? Yeah. Um, so it is what it sounds like. It's a show about people who are alone. It's not like it's not like <laughs> naked and afraid. Um, although I didn't really see much of that. Is it like anti dating? No, 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 it's just there's no dating involved at all. <laughs> I just um, I just feel like that's what comes to mind when I think of the name Alone. Um, so it's people who are like wilderness survivalists. I guess it's kind of good for the people who are like, I want to build a house in Alaska and like live there off the land. Um, so basically, I don't have it's this like des- desire at all. But th- is it th- like the show a is show like. on on how to be bear grills? Like, if you think that you could be bear grills for a week, try this show. <laughs> Pretty much, nice. yeah. So I feel like, like I would like that. They're like, yeah, survivalists who they try to outlast each other. They don't know how long the other people are there. They don't have any contact with anyone. They film everything on like GoPros and they just try to like fish and hunt and survive off of their like resources. I think it's interesting. I think from the perspective of the psychology of the, the people and what they go through being alone. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And then just like, I like, how clever they are but I don't really I'm not a, obviously I'm not like a hunter fisher I don't do that stuff like I like to backpack and be outside but um it's kind of funny that I, I like the show so much but the plug here is that it takes place in 
um, British Columbia a lot of the time. So I recognize like stuff they're talking about, like, oh, here's a mushroom. I'm like, oh, those things are like, here's this plant. You can do this. You know, indigenous people did X, Y, Z with this kind of needle and made this tincture and blah, blah, blah. And then they're doing all these weird things. I'm like, that is so cool. That sounds like a, honestly, I feel like I would like that. Um, I don't know why alone. Yeah. I feel like it's a weird plug, but it's really good. You should watch it. It's kind of scary too, because they all have like bears and like cougars in their camp. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah. What's your what's hot? Um, okay. So I've, I've said Olipop in the past before, but to be fair, this is a new flavor that they just came out with. Not sponsored because I'm just obsessed with Olipop, okay? They need to sponsor me with how much I talk about them. Um, so they just came out with their Dr. Pepper flavor called Dr. Goodwin. And it's, like, full of all of the um, – I'm sorry. It's not full of all of, like, the crazy random ingredients. They're, like – it's, like, soda but transparent or – I don't know. It's, like, they have some weird slogan about, like, Dr. Pepper hides their – flavors but they're they don't it's my favorite olipop flavor hands down of all time it's so good i could drink like two or three a day easy they're so tasty what does it taste like so i guess like the three main flavors are cherry plum and um prune so mm. i guess i taste a lot of cherry and like they have some vanilla in there but i guess it's like just like that combination is so good i never would have known yeah that sounds really good yeah well Shall we go over some of our goals for this episode? Because this is a good one. This is a really good one. I'm going to listen back to this. This is a really good one. And we, well, I couldn't let Jocelyn leave because I was so interested. She has, she's really charismatic and she's really interesting. She has a lot of information to give us. So, so much, in fact, that we couldn't cover all of it. And I think it's really important that if you're interested in what we cover in this episode, that you should go and connect with her online um, either through Instagram, her website, through email. Um, she's super friendly. She's really easy to talk to, and she just wants to help. So I, before we even get into it, I highly recommend doing a deeper dive with her. So the episode goals for this episode were um, to talk about period health, first and foremost. We want to bring it to the table and help um, to also destigmatize the topic. So the, those are the two uh, first goals. And then I honestly feel like our third goal of to learn something new is so big because we yeah. all think we know about period health because we all learned a little bit and we talk about it a little bit. And, you know, if you're someone who menstruates, you should know. And even not. And we even say that specifically. You don't, you don't even have to uh, menstruate to get a lot of really awesome information out of this episode. Um Jocelyn is also a hormone health coach um, and a holistic health coach. So outside of period health, um, she has some really great information. So give her page a follow. We always have uh, links in our show notes. Um, you will learn more than one new thing for sure. I think without a doubt. Um, I know I did. So I learned so much. Yeah, she's really informative. And again, I think she's just really nice and easy to talk to. So I think this is going to be a cool episode. Yeah. I hope you enjoy. Sweet. Without further ado, this is Jocelyn with Period Health. All 
All right. Hi, guys. We're back for another episode. We're super excited because this week we have another special guest. Her name is Jocelyn Castaneda, and she is a holistic health coach and restorative yoga teacher. She's specializing in hormone health and menstrual cycle support and alignment. She guides clients to create sustainable lifestyle and nutrition shifts that balance hormones holistically so they can walk away feeling more energetic and vibrant. To learn more about her one-on-one program, you can visit miasaya.com. You can also follow Jocelyn for more tips on hormone balancing, cycle awareness, and all things holistic health at miasaya.wellness. Both links are going to be available in the show notes. So let's jump in and say hi to Jocelyn. Yay. Welcome, Jocelyn. Hi. Thank you. So glad to be here. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, we've talked about this episode, I think maybe even as close to the beginning creation of the podcast. So really excited to finally get to it. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. So yeah. Yeah. So a uh, quick topic introduction for you, Jocelyn, and the listeners. Um, so this uh, section is essentially just going to be um, us learning about period health and how hormones affect menstruation. And of course, hearing your story, Jocelyn. So we'll let you take it away with your story is long or as brief as you would like. Um, just tell us who you are and how you got into your line of work. Cool. Um, so I'll start with like the current. I'm a mom to two senior pups. Um, <gasps> I love them both. They're what my are their babies. names? I know. Uh, well, there's Charlie and he's a Chihuahua. Oh my god! <laughs> and Ruby and she's oh. part pit, part lab, and they're both. Oh. Uh, they're both like 15. Um, I think Charlie, the Chihuahua, is like younger, but he just presents as older. But he's got a lot more energy and. Ruby's my baby. I've had her the entirety of her life. She's my first dog. And I just really, every day is just like a day of gratitude. You know, wake up, tell her I love her, go Aww. on her walks. And then it's just kind of like that. Um, That's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> big dog lover over here. <laughs> yay! Yeah, we're yeah. big animal yay, lovers. Yay, yay. Hearing that, I'm definitely a dog person. Um, cats are great too. Um, we love animals. Got four. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, in terms of like how I got into this, I feel like nutrition and wellness kind of hit me by accident because when I was um, in grad school, I actually developed an eating disorder unintentionally. Um, I I wanted to be thinner. I started counting calories, I joined the gym, and it kind of just like, you know, got ahead of me. I started working out nonstop, like two hours a day while maintaining like a full um, schedule at school and like working part-time jobs. So like, I was burnt out. My period was non-existent. I was also going through like eating disorder therapy at the same time. So it was a lot. Um, and so I think like nutrition and wellness has always kind of been at the forefront. Um, and so like, after I went through, like, let's say like therapy, finished that I still struggled with like, yes, the behaviors, like the purging, the over-exercising was kind of over and done with, but like dieting was still a part of my life. I still dieted constantly. 
Um, I still had body dysmorphia and I still kind of do struggle with body dysmorphia. I feel like when you um, have an eating disorder or anything kind of related to food, it's something that's kind of just stays with you because we always eat, you know, and now it's kind of developed into other things like orthorexia. Um, so basically, um, I kind of delved into yoga. I think that was like my first stepping stone of like getting a yoga teacher training done, teaching yoga, and really just wanting to have more of an impact on other people's lives. Because, you know, I saw them for like one hour a week. I taught like, let's say five, six classes a week. I taught meditation to seniors. I really developed these like connections, but I felt like I wanted to do more. And, um, so I decided to go into a health coach training and I did that. And then I wanted to really connect more with like just hormones and menstrual cycle health, menstrual cycle awareness, um, stress, all those different things. And so I went and I furthered my training and like decided to specialize in hormone health and cycle support. So that's kind of it. <laughs> that's a great story. That's um, I think. I think a lot of people are going to relate to a lot of what you said because you saw Ashley and I nodding vigorously the whole time. Like, yes, <laughs> we share a lot of those experiences. We yeah. either went through it yeah. or going through it, something similar ourselves. Um, and I mean, I know countless other people that have that very similar story. So, um, man, food has done it for our society for real, uh, as far as like education goes and like how balance is taught or not taught rather. So I appreciate that you kind of like touched on those notes because I think that's really important when we talk about period health in general. Um, So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I can truly relate to the whole um, going to school and work like trying to maintain healthy uh, regimes. And then because you're basically obsessing over studying or focusing on something so intensely, like that intensity can translate into so many aspects of diet, working out, like any kind of behavior that you're trying to maintain. So I'm just curious to hear more about this as we go through the discussion, because that really resonates. Thank you. Yeah, so let's start with like, what hormone imbalance is and what it can look like. Cause I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of people listening that might be going through it and don't even know. So how, like, how do you help coach your clients on like to identify what hormone imbalance looks like? Uh, well, I love that you said that we don't even know it because um, I don't know what the word would be. I don't know if it's sadly, but it's a, like a lot of symptoms are brushed aside a lot of things are kind of just like pick yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. So for example, um, not being able to get to bed, like struggling to sleep, getting up multiple times up during the night, especially during two to 4 AM. Um, those are signs PMS. Oh, wow. Well, I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I need to stop you. Cause like, that's the specific time that I wake up and I've complained about this ding, numerous ding, ding. times on the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, it's always between two and four usually. Um, okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're welcome. I don't know. It doesn't sound right to laugh. Sorry, audience. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. It's just, it's ironic. That's why we're yeah. laughing. We're laughing. Cause it's yeah. like, okay. I mean, I've wow. been there. Let's just say yeah. it. like, mm-hmm. I've been there too. Like, 
you know, it's, it's a sign of stress usually and, and liver, um, like li- there needs to be some liver support. Um, but basically fatigue, um, PMS, I often talk about this and when, you know, when we go like talking more about period health, I'll like talk a bit more in depth about it, but PMS is not normal. Um, debilitating cramps, irregular periods, heavy periods with like, let's say like clots, um, constipation and like the complete opposite of that would be like diarrhea, bloating, depression, anxiety, dry skin, thinning hair, weight gain, especially around the middle, um, low libido, gut issues sometimes, like let's say like SIBO, um, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, leak yeast infections, quote unquote leaky gut, or officially it's intestinal permeability, but like a lot. And I should say that this list is not exhaustive. You know, like maybe you'll be like, I don't have any of these things, but I have all these other things. Like you don't know, right? Essentially, um, when something doesn't feel right, you know it. You know, when it feels off, you don't feel 100%. There's something going on. It could be the gut and it, it could be something else. And the gut's also like a huge part of it. So how do you go about first identifying like how it can be a hormone issue versus something else? Um, what, what would be the first step if somebody's like, okay, I have like four of those symptoms. What should I do? Oh, good question. Um, so essentially if someone kind of presents themselves and they want to work together, I have to look at their health history because like hormone health is not a singularity, you know, it is connected to your gut. It's connected to your thyroid, your metabolism, your adrenal health. Like those are all your hormones. Your endocrine system actually touches upon like every single part of your body. And your gut and your hormone health are intricately connected. So if you have a gut issue, you most likely will have a hormone issue. So it's not necessarily about pinpointing like exactly, but really what we want to pinpoint is the root and what is causing it. Is it stress? Is it environmental toxins? Is it not eating enough? Eating disorders can lead to that. Um, birth control. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but birth control can cause hormonal disruption. Um, I think I, I mentioned stress, but oftentimes what we don't think of as stress, like over-exercising, basically what I described what I did, that was all like many like root causes of like, oh my God, you're going to mess up your hormones. And usually your cycle is one of the first things to show that, you know, to kind of demonstrate to you like, hey, something's going on. Do these things show up in like standard blood work? Like if someone went to their PCP and was like, hey, something seems off. Do you think like there'll be red flags on blood tests? So that one, because if we're doing called, uh, like if we're talking about standard blood work, it may not. So I'm going to give an example because there's like a lot. Um, So we're going to talk about the thyroid. Usually they only test TSH and there's a slew of other markers that need to be tested. T4, T3, free T3, free T4, uh, thyroid antibodies, you know, those kinds of markers that they usually don't test until the TSH marker thyroid stimulating hormone kind of shows that it's beyond the limits. But 
in terms of functional testing, um, it's easier for you to kind of find out like, okay, there might be something wrong because you might have like quote unquote normal TSH levels, but still feel off. Um, sorry. Yeah. Feel off. So that's why usually we look at the symptoms. And so like, just because like the blood test may say this, I'm not going to ignore like the symptoms. And this is why like, you know, health coaching works in teamwork with doctors. I'm not here to replace testing. I'm just here to kind of give a different perspective. No, I think that's really important. And I think that's a good distinction to make um, for the listeners like early on, because I know like a lot of people, like friends and family have said that, oh, I don't feel right. Oh, you know, go, go to your PC people, blah, blah. And they get sent away or they still don't have an answer. Or they still don't know what's going on. And I think we all would believe them. You know, it's not like nothing's happening, but it's just no one's found them their answer. It's super frustrating. Yeah. So can you speak to a little bit more to how the gut is affecting your hormones? Essentially, I just want to know um, how nutrition affects menstruation, but I want to know it in a couple of ways. I want to know it from like the experience of how you were talking about um, losing your period and how you were like working out all the time and you said you didn't have like a healthy balance. So I kind of want it from like your experience and then also from the experience of coaching. So in terms of my experience, um, in regards to food, it was essentially not eating enough. Um, I was eating quite healthily. I turned pescetarian in or- because I believed that that would help me lose weight. And essentially, it became practically vegetarian because I couldn't like eat fish all the time or like seafood. Um, but I chose that route because essentially it narrowed down the options when I would go out to eat. Um, so I was eating quote unquote healthy salads, brown rice, I don't know, lots of fruit, lots of vegetables, but the body wasn't receiving enough because I was only eating 1200 calories a day. And I know, yeah, 1200 calories, which is like, for like a growing child. Unless you're like four foot zero. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was working out a ton. You know, I just had this goal weight I had to reach. I was hardly sleeping. Um, And so... Um, so that's how it impacted the period because essentially ovulation stops. Your body is in stress mode. Your body wants to conserve energy, wants to keep you safe. Our bodies are hardwired since, you know, thousands of years ago when we were living in caves. Um, your body is protecting you and it wants to keep you safe. And so this is always talked about, but essentially like it will not create a baby. It will put that in the back burner and ovulation is that's the purpose, right? It's about creating a baby. But, you know, when we talk about like menstrual cycle health, that's not the only purpose. We create progesterone. Um, Most of our progesterone is created through ovulation, but if you're not eating enough, your body will kind of shunt all of that away. You know, and that's why, like, I couldn't sleep. Like, sleep got affected. Of course, I didn't think that. I just thought, oh, four hours a day is enough so that I can keep going with, like, everything I need to do for, like, my classes and everything, you know? Um, I feel like when we're in this very high productive state of, like, go, 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 we don't really realize how it impacts it. And 
society really drills it in that like, what's the point of having a period? You know, you don't need a period. And so it's kind of just like reinforced, right? Um, It's reinforced to just keep going and to not even notice. So I think back then I didn't think much of it. Um, And then I got on birth control. And so then, you know, that just kind of continued on. Can you share a little bit about how you identify nutrition as like a culprit for your clients uh, when they've lost their periods? Um, So it's not necessarily identifying nutrition as the culprit, but it's really um, shifting our relationship with nutrition. And so if my client, I notice, um, let's say, skips breakfast or um, eats mostly um, unbalanced meals, maybe like mostly like carbs, mostly not enough protein, let's say, or they eat a lot of processed foods. Those are all kind of signifiers to me to kind of dig deeper and then um, recommend that they kind of shift things around because we want to create safety in the body and we want to feed our bodies. And essentially how we do that is we want to balance blood sugar. So make sure that they're eating continuously, that they're not skipping lunch. So these are just different ways that nutrition kind of weaves itself in. You know, it's in terms of nutrition wise, like diets go out the window. There is no necessarily like there's no keto. There's no um, restricting whole food groups. Um, it's really working with my clients and understanding like what will work for them. You know, um, if they have allergies, I've had clients who've had sensitivity to dairy. So we kind of like work around that. Um, I have had clients who let's say got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So, um, I kind of recommended that, you know, there's been research that gluten-free is a good option. And then, they were kind of like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try it. So, but it's really working with them and really emphasizing more of an 80, 20 and not necessarily like a hundred percent, um, strict kind of diets. Cause essentially like my experience influences the way I work with them. Um, and so that is, I guess, yeah, you're right. That is how nutrition kind of allows me to see like, okay, this could be playing a culprit into like why you're having PMS symptoms. And so we just start to kind of shift that, you know, baby step by baby step. And the cycle will show it. So it's kind of like, okay, let's start eating breakfast. Let's see how your period is this cycle. And then they're like, okay, I still have PMS symptoms. Okay, let's try this thing too. Let's try adding it on. It's not necessarily um, like throwing them in head on. It's just like tweaking it. And that's why I work with clients three months for three months minimum. Katie, did you know one woman or a person who bleeds will go through 150 kilograms or 330 pounds of tampons, pads, and applicators in their lifetime? No, I did not. And did you know 90% of them are plastic? Ooh, that's really gross. I feel like there should be a better period product on the market by now. Well, there is Meet Dame, Dame is on a mission to make periods positive and sustainable, accessible and acceptable. Their award-winning effective period care is free from toxins and single-use plastic. In 2018, they launched with their reusable tampon applicator in an effort to reduce plastic waste. 
in 2020, they dropped reusable pads, which quickly sold out during their first release. And there's now a waitlist for new products dropping soon. That's awesome. And right now, Dame is offering our listeners a generous 25% off your first order. Whether you're in the market for a sustainable period product or you're in need of a clean and consistent tampon brand, Dame has what you need. Now shipping to the U.S. in over 200 countries. Dame is confident you'll love your new products. They even have a 60-day refund policy. Try Dame today at weardame.co and use code COCONUT25. That's weardame.co and use code C-O-C-O-A-N-U-T-2-5 at checkout. Now back to the episode. I'm, I'm really curious to know... A little bit more about you said you, you mentioned progesterone, and you you were talking about it as like such an essential function to the body, and I just I realize I don't know enough about the hormones um, that control the the period and menstruation cycle. Can you tell us a few basics and um, like starter information for anyone who would need to know and like get up to speed with us for this discussion, like? what hormone is important? What does it do? Like, how does that come up with the work that you're doing with clients? Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. Um, so estrogen and progesterone are your two main sex hormones. When you menstruate, your menstrual cycle is made up of four phases. And when you're on your period, your two hormones, estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest. Those who menstruate also have testosterone, a little bit of testosterone as well as TSH and FSH, and those come up into ovulation. But let's just focus on estrogen and progesterone, not to. So estrogen gets talked about a lot. And um, estrogen boosts serotonin, which is like your happy hormone, and increases libido. This is why when you're close to ovulation, you want to have like sex more often because it's like peak estrogen. Um, It increases insulin sensitivity and carb tolerance, it builds bone and protects the heart. So it's really great. Now, estrogen begins to rise and peak as you get close to ovulation. After ovulation, you start to release progesterone. Um, This is like the bulk of it gets made through ovulation. Progesterone is amazing because it calms the mood, it supports your sleep, um, it promotes healthy thyroid function, so it's pro-metabolism. Um, it promotes healthy hair and skin. Um, all these good things reduces inflammation in the body. So this is why if you present with PMS symptoms, if the week leading up to your period is hell weak, you usually have low progesterone. Because we live in such an estrogenic culture, like high estrogen through like toxins, I mean, endocrine disruptors, chemicals like BPA and um, parabens, phthalates, all these things in our makeup, skincare products, even sadly in our menstrual care products, you know, um, pesticides and food and I mean, just goes on and on and on. So um, this is just like the way that like the body kind of like gets impacted by external things. And how progesterone can kind of like diminish and you may not get or feel the amazingness of progesterone. Now, in terms of all the other hormones, basically everybody has hormones. It's not just people who menstruate, everybody. 
And hormones are the chemical messengers of the body. They're secreted by the glands in your body and they travel through the bloodstream to basically signal different things. Hunger and satiation, ghrelin and leptin. Um, Cortisol is one of your main stress hormones. So if you are in a stressor, like let's say you're late to a meeting, you're stuck in traffic, cortisol is rising and it like kind of basically like shunts blood to like your extremities and certain things get put in the back burner digestion you might um you might deal with like constipation let's say like a slowing of the bowels um ovulation gets pushed ovulation is very sensitive to stress so like for example just giving you a personal example um ruby we talked about earlier Ruby, my baby, the one who I've had the longest. I mean, they're both my babies. I love Charlie. Um, but basically, she, she's she been going through some things. We finally got her diagnosed through a neurologist that she has essentially cognitive uh, dysfunction or doggy dementia. And so she would wake us up in the middle of the night, like 11 or midnight, and then she would pant, 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 and she just wants to stand. And she's an indoor dog. But, <laughs> but she just wants to stand all day out in the yard. I mean, all night. Um, and our sleep was impacted, like waking up at like midnight, waking up at 2 a.m., waking up at 4 a.m., all these things. And all of a sudden, like the day when I thought like I had some signals, which I don't know if we'll talk about it, but like your body kind of signals when ovulation is happening, it didn't happen. It happened a whole week later. And even then, ovulation wasn't strong enough this past cycle for me. So like, this is just to say, like, just because I'm a health coach doesn't, and and I specialize in this, doesn't mean that I'm not susceptible to stress. You know, we are all susceptible to stress. That is probably the main cause of a lot of hormone, I mean, hormone health disruption and imbalance, because we all deal with it. We can't get, I mean, especially like, yeah, especially in today's society. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like there's so much in the news every 30 minutes, something happening. You're like trying to send an email and like, make sure that the world is not on fire at the same time. It's it's really stressful. (laughs) So um, yeah, yeah, Um, I would love if you could help us um, learn how to track your cycle because you got into it just a tiny bit. But I feel like this is not something that gets taught, at least not in America. Um, Ashley could probably speak for Canada, um, but it's not something that's taught to girls in public school. So um, yeah, could you teach us how to track your cycle? Okay, I'd love to. So I'll talk about two ways. So one of them is you track three things. Um, One of them is your basal body temperature. So we have like a resting temp. When you wake up in the morning, you are at your lowest internal temp. And so essentially, the reason why we track our temps every morning, and I'll explain how you do that, is because after ovulation, you will see a rise. I think it's like of 0.5, 0.05 degrees of um, like a temp rise, essentially. And that continuous rise will show that progesterone is rising in metabolism. Like earlier I said, it's pro-metabolic. It will raise your temp. This is why sometimes after ovulation in your luteal phase, you might feel a little warmer. So how you do it is you buy like, you know, I think they sell like $10 thermometers. I think it's like up to like the hundredth degree. 
You put it by your bed because you cannot get up. Essentially, if you get up, go pee, grab some water, your your body temp has already risen. So we want the lowest temperature possible. So you get up. Sorry, no, backtrack. You roll, you roll over, grab that thermometer, put it under your tongue, and you wait. So some people will tell you to wait to hear the beep of the thermometer. Some people recommend waiting five to 10 minutes. So it's really up to you. Um, But really, your BBT is one of the ways that you can find out if you are even ovulating. Because just because you have a period does not mean you ovulate. Um, You could have a period and not ovulate. That would be an, an ovulatory period. The other way is cervical fluid. So our cervical fluid shifts and ebbs and flows throughout our cycle. Um, And I apologize for not talking about like the breakdown of the menstrual cycles. The breakdown of the menstrual cycle is essentially four phases. Um, Menstruation or your period. So that's days one through like three, five, seven. I count seven days for me because I spot until like literally the seventh day. Um, but all my heavy bleeding is like through one, through one and three. But anyways, um, and then your follicular phase is next, sometimes referred to as inner spring. And then after that is ovulation, which is inner summer. Um, and then your luteal phase, which is usually about 10 days minimum, ideally to like about 16 days is your inner fall. And that is your lead up to menstruation, which is your inner winter. So when you're on your period, you know, you're sloughing off your uterine lining, there's not much cervical fluid. And as you move towards the follicular phase, it'll be kind of dry, it'll be sticky, it'll be creamy. Um, I think I read a book once, probably was a woman code, that where they recommended that you wear like black panties all the time. So you can kind of see that shift. Um, and so then as you get closer to ovulation, your cervical fluid will start to shift and it'll become more and more watery and slippery and slick. And essentially what you want to look for is egg white cervical fluid. It want you want it to be stretchy, you want it to be clear. Um and and that'll be like your sign of like peak. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you ovulated. And this is why like tracking your temps is also important. The other way is noticing your cervical position. So your cervix also shifts throughout the cycle. So those are the three markers that you can use to track your cycle. The other way is to weave in the energetics. So this is something that I also teach my clients um, is to really kind of like understand your own unique cycle. Um, You start with day one. You start to realize like, okay, how do I feel? You check in with yourself. Um, am I more tired? Um, do I feel like socializing today? What's my, uh, what kind of workout do I feel like doing? Am I hungrier? Because that shifts as well. You essentially are not the same person every single day. That is the beauty of menstruating is that because of our hormones, because of these shifts, you are shifting every single day. You know, right now I'm on day seven of my cycle. So I'm entering my follicular phase. If we had recorded this podcast on day one, I would have done it out of respect. Um, But I would have been very fatigued. 
Um, and that's just honoring it because there's nothing wrong with wanting to rest when your body is going through such an intense process of essentially sloughing off that uterine lining that you build up that entirety of your month, whatever the length of your cycle was, 21 days, 25 days, 35 days, you know, and you're, it's kind of like a death and rebirth. That's like the energetics of it, you know? And so that's the other way. It's like, um, truly understanding how like your particular day can really impact how you'll show up in the world and how it's okay. If, um, I often talk about like the inner critic. So um, that inner critic usually shows up in your luteal phase. So inner autumn. <laughs> so more self-doubt, you know, um, more criticism, more inner criticism, more perfectionism, let's say. Whereas when you're like in inner summer or close to ovulation, you're like on top of the world, you're socializing, you feel attractive. Why is that? Because estrogen is at its peak. You feel great. I also have to should say disclaimer, you may not feel great. And of course that shows something else, right? And that's once again why like everybody's cycle is unique and that's okay. I that totally resonates the <laughs> the inner critic coming out really hard and then <laughs> just like suddenly on top of the world like huge socialite like that definitely happens to me. Um I I love your explanation and that really helps me understand. Um, and it is surprising. Actually, in Canada, we didn't learn this either. I mean, they're like, okay, no, write it down either. and <laughs> keep it on a calendar so that you know if you're pregnant. That's the extent of yeah. that education. Um, but something I wanted to ask, like kind of related to that, because I think it could affect a lot of people who menstruate. When you're taking a kind of hormonal birth control, how are you supposed to understand these natural things about you when you've got something taking the wheel? Like, how does that work for, you know, your clients? What do you tell them? Um, so this is where, like, so if you are on birth control, especially if it's hormonal birth control, because um, I do have some clients who are on, like, the copper IUD, which is not hormone. Um, you kind of still kind of just try to live that way and honor where you're at, you know? So even if let's say your period is light and you're like, I'm on top of the world still, <laughs> like, you know, like nothing's changed. Um, this is why like, um, cycle alignment or cycle syncing, it's often referred to, um, can still work for people who are in menopause. You know, I think this is why, like, we can't fear, um, like, losing our periods, you know? There is talk that, like, perimenopause starts when you're 35. Um, these are things that, like, are real, but we can't necessarily, because things are so shameful about, like, losing your estrogen, losing your youth. And this is when maybe um, getting in tune with your, with the moon can help. So, like, in the new moon you kind of go a little bit more inward, you rest a bit more, you're more pensive, let's say, full moon, you're more outward. So I would kind of just recommend that even if you're on birth control, you can still honor where you're at, you can still practice this. 
um, you will not be able to um, see that temp shift though, because you, you're not ovulating. Um, so there are some things that are missing um, essentially, but you can still practice. Um, I guess they refer to it as like the energetics of your cycle, but like you can still get in tune with that and still kind of honor your cycle. And then once you, if you ever choose to get off birth control, then you can start to kind of like weave in those other things that we talked about. So a person on birth control, can they still, um, like look at the fluid texture and the moods, just the temperature is the one that's not going to work for them or is everything a little affected? Yeah. So the cervical fluid is also impacted because essentially your, um, hormonal birth control is synthetic hormones. Um, ovulation has been shunted. Um, and so there won't be much of a shift there because it's essentially stopping ovulation. Um, the moods, on the other hand, there are side effects of birth control. So you might actually develop like PMS symptoms, even while you're on birth control. Yeah, that's fascinating. And then I think just uh, the idea that stress then impacts that, and then all of the hormones working together that control all the other body functions are impacted as well. So I wonder if people who are on hormonal birth control can't uh, maybe have a harder time recognizing all of the imbalances. I don't know if that happens to clients, but if it's, if their natural cycles are stunted, maybe it's harder to pick up on some of those things. Um, so the thing about birth control is sometimes that could also be the root cause of, let's say any sort of symptoms because, um, you know, it can impact your gut. It can deplete the body of like certain nutrients, like B vitamins, selenium, magnesium, things like that. Um, because it stops ovulation, you are also losing out on like the production of your hormones in like the full natural way of it. Um, so yeah, there are a, like a lot of things that get impacted and get kind of muddied, let's say, but if like, um, a client came to me presenting with certain symptoms and you don't have to say yes. to like that whole, like 10 list that I gave you, like basically if you don't feel okay and you want to work with someone like, we're here, like me, other health coaches, you know, everybody's here to like help you figure it out. What could it be? And birth control could be that option. And so it's not necessarily like get off birth control, but it's kind of like, what can we do to help you work while you're on it? You know, can we like shift nutrition stuff? Can we shift um, lifestyle? Can we shift supplementation? And then if things are still not better, then like, you know, it could be the birth control that will have to go. But I should say that there are like other ways to have like non-hormonal birth control. Yeah, for sure. I think that's actually a great, a great segue into the next part. We're going to do a little bit of a roundtable discussion on living with a period and uh, we're just going to talk about a couple of things. So let's move on to that little segment. Mm-hmm. 
Um, sweet. Let's have a, a discussion about living with a period. Um, so first of all, we kind of touched on this very briefly, but learning about our periods in school. So uh, we all have very little experience, apparently. Um, I think I first learned about having a period in elementary school. I think it was maybe fifth grade. Um, but the that I think between fifth grade and like seventh grade, that's the only time we ever discussed periods. And then it was like, hush, hush, hide your tampons, never speak of it again. What about you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we watched a very strange movie in fifth grade about uh, becoming a woman. And that was that. That's it. But I will say maybe in Canada, people are a little more um, nonchalant. Like it's not, it's not hush hush and people will talk about it, but we don't, um, get a huge amount of education in school, but it is, it's a lot more casual. I would say like you could talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I have to kind of state that my memory is very faulty. Uh, <laughs> All good. And I can't remember it being talked about at all. Um, uh, even when I, so I got my period fairly young. I was, um, I had just turned 11. And I think I was, I 10. remember, I was also pretty young. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I came out of the bathroom because it was like January 1st. That's what I remember. Um, and I came out of the bathroom and I was like, Mom? And then she was like hugging me and it felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> Oh man, same. There My mom hugged no. me afterwards too. <laughs> oh it's man, like no me alone. I know. Same. Get you a pad with wings, which I hated. Yeah, I, I hated wings for like my whole life. Thank God for yeah. period panties. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was the extent of it, and it's funny because like. You know, when you sent me the show notes, um, I was kind of digging into like to see if it's being taught today because I, d- I don't work with the youth in terms of this, you know, um, and I couldn't really find anything. Um, I think there's a program that exists in New York. There's probably an international one. Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily being taught. Um I guess it it would just kind of depend on on the individual, you know, to carry that forward. Yeah, totally. I uh, I don't think it's changed since I've been in elementary school or middle school. I think it's pretty much the same. Each, I guess, like school district gets to decide for themselves. Um, but mm-hmm. you you bring up uh, um, what the underwear, those like free bleed underwear. I was going to ask about like what menstrual products do we like? What do we dislike? Can we have a little gossip about that? So I would love to know about these period panties because I've wanted to try them, but I feel like I'm not sure if they're like one of those fake overhyped things. It sounds like maybe not. Period panties. Oh, they're so great. Um, they're amazing. So um, I don't know if we can mention brands, but uh, <laughs> why not? So I have, I have a lot of thanks. But Thanks was kind of involved in this kind of like controversy about the material and some sort of like chemical. Um, So that was my initial purchase. So I think everybody still uses them. I think they just, they had a disclaimer, like, you know, they did their own testing and there's not necessarily these chemicals in it. 
So it's up to you if you want to use Thanks. I still use a few of them. Um, I like this other brand called Sustain. And then um, Cora. I love Cora because I also love their pads. Now, I don't use a menstrual cup because I was... (laughs) I heard like horror stories of like that suction feeling that you kind of feel when you kind of like try to remove <laughs> Ashley's not even it. Um, and I'm, I'm, uh, I got kind of like, oh, period panties are work for me, you know, period panties and, and pads. Um, and then funnily enough, there's some, there's some people and practitioners actually recommend that you like feel the blood like coming out of you and, and like just notice and, and really get connected to that because that's another kind of like signifier, let's say. Um, so those are my favorite brands. And, and Cora is my favorite band for like um, pads. I haven't bought reusable like pads and liners because I use period panties. So I feel like that kind of offsets like the waste, let's say, of, of using disposable ones. But the one that I would like to purchase, I think, is Rayal, R-A-E-L. I th- I've heard really good things about their um, That's reusable, a reusable pads. Pad. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look into that. We, um, yeah, we're going to look into that. We just um, basically got a very small partnership with a company called Dame, who we're trying, and it's a carbon negative uh, reusable tampon subscription Ooh. service with oh. uh, with uh and reusable uh fabric pads <gasps> so we will update you Let if me we know how yes it. i'd love to know <laughs> but i'm really excited for those tips yeah because i'm always looking for something um new and better than what i'm using <laughs> yeah are you just a tampon user or tampons yeah if I can I don't I know the feeling is like and I also have um the Nuva ring so I'm just so worried Mm. that I'm gonna just fling it out onto the ground you know I have heard issues with the menstrual cups like even pulling out the IUD accidentally so uh if you have an IUD I might be careful with those I have a great experience with the cups um I've never had any suction or any weirdness like that um I also really like the soft disc. They're like disposable ones, but you can wear them, I guess, 12 hours. Um, but you do make a great point about like feeling the flow. Um, sometimes it's a sensory issue for me though. And I just like, I can't deal with it. Um, so how does do you feel like the you stay dry with the panties? Because that's my biggest fear. Well, so my, yeah. So my experience is quite unique because I work from home. So I'm able to kind of just like assess, change it out. And um, and I do have a lot. Like I, I purchased a lot over the years, you know. So I do have like enough to last me like two days. And then find like, I think I have like eight or ten. And then washing and stuff like that. So there is that in terms of like, having to change them out so in that case a cup would probably work better if you want something that's um let's say um sustainable but also less chemicals in your body etc so yeah yeah good point no that's a really good point i think for me i'm torn between 
um, not wanting to have a tampon in for so long because I get so busy and I'm running from one thing to the next. But then a little bit of the sensory issue, like if, as you said, feeling the flow is kind of like reassuring that things are right. But every now and again, there's something that will just like catch me off guard and I'm in the middle of a thought or I'm talking to a patient and I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> it just kind yeah. of throws you off. I don't know. <laughs> Like the good old sneeze. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Or a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. But I feel like that's just part of it. You know, that's just kind of like honoring, like, this is what we go through. And, and then that's, that's okay. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a perfect tie into exactly what we're talking about here. Just um, sort of the stigma around having a period and can we destigmatize it? Can we honor it instead of just like hush hushing it? And as we said, as young women, as young people menstruating, we kind of got this weird education. We can't even recall it very well. And then that was just kind of it. And we were left to our own devices for the rest of our lives. What do you think about that? Um, I feel like in terms of um, educating the youth, I guess it would, it would have to just be, um, like policy wise or institution wise, but they could definitely start at home in terms of destigmatizing periods, just like amongst ourselves, amongst our peers or colleagues, it's really talking about it more. Um, and, um, honoring just like where you're at. If you are on day one or day two of a very heavy period, can you rest? Even if it's like, if you can't take the day off, can you rest for like 30 minutes? Can you get home, turn off everything, you know, cancel on a date, cancel on whatever it is, do less, essentially, get to bed earlier, more self-care. These are different ways that we can start to destigmatize the ways we kind of interact with our own period. So really it starts with you. Um, the other thing is like questioning if you have any inherent shame around your period and asking yourself, where does that come from? You know, I mean, when I like, when I do this, when I like show up on like my Instagram page and talk about these things, like I have, like high school friends um, who are like cis men and like, and, or like my, my cousins who are also like cis men and they're like watching it. And at first I would feel really self-conscious, but after a while it's kind of just like, no, you need to know this too. Um, because if you have a partner, like you also need to know this. Like my partner now is kind of in tune with my cycle. Like he understands like, where I'm at, um, you know, like what phase I'm in and like how the impacts you. So I feel like it's some, it's also can be like a partnership kind of thing. It's like really understanding the importance of a period, but also understanding that like your entire cycle is important, not just your period, that you are a cyclical being, that you are always shifting, that you are not, um, going to be on a hundred percent 24 seven, you know? And, um, I think that's just how we start to destigmatize it. Yeah. Having this conversation, which was like one of our goals is kind of like that with that in mind is like, okay, let's destigmatize periods. Let's have this conversation. 
Um, and you're so right. We do need to be teaching everybody. That was something that our school did not do. Obviously, everybody was split. You go there, you go there, you learn about this, you learn about that. You don't talk about it in between lunch. Like nobody shares any information. Um, and it, that just continues to stigmatize it because you, those, uh, and especially here in America where it is divided, um, by girls and boys, um, especially in Southern states where I grew up. Um, yeah, you have, you know, potentially, um, trans girls in there that are being split up with the boys and things like if that situations. So they're not being taught this information. So I'm really glad that you've touched on that. Um, and I'm glad that we can at least have this conversation so we can maybe encourage our audience to do the same. Yeah. Essentially having that conversation. I think it's interesting too. Um, the go, go, go mentality that you said, I, you, you touched on it early, um, about how like having a period is, I'm not sure if you said shameful, but it was a a problem because of the culture we live in. You know, it's something that would almost be a hindrance. It's not something to honor. You know, we're trying to all be these people who can just work, work, work and, um, have no problem being, you know, good uh, machines And, um, you know, the fact of life is that we have these amazing hormones that are changing who we are. Like you said, on every given day, we're slightly different and we aren't machines and we can't act like that. And we shouldn't push other people into these boxes as well. So that's just a new perspective that I haven't heard taken on it. And I'm, yeah, I'm struck by that. So yeah, I love it's a good thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think things are shifting. I think there's certain companies I've heard. The only one I can think of off the top of my head um, is Nike. I think Nike offers like an extra two or three days um, of like honoring like your cycle, honoring your periods, like take it off. Um, I'm sure there are tons of small businesses maybe that are doing it. Um, Woman-owned businesses, let's say, I think are doing it. Yeah, that would be really exciting. Yeah, and I think, it would be amazing if we were all presented with that opportunity and option to um, to slow down, essentially. And I think there's, um, well, I shouldn't say I think, I know that there is a huge movement and push to like emphasize rest. And what better way to embrace that practice than by kind of like it's already weaved in naturally into our cycles. And I, and I should say, this isn't to say that everybody will want to rest. There are some people who will have a very different experience on their periods, but um, the majority will feel that pull. Um, it's not necessarily being fatigued, but it's just like allowing yourself to slow down. There's beauty in that there's beauty in um, just connecting with yourself and allowing yourself to like listen to your intuition and yourself instead of being very focused on the external because I think we are taught that we really use a lot of these external markers to um, connect deeper with ourselves and define ourselves and instead allowing yourself to slow down even for a day and connecting with your period allows you to learn more about yourself. And as you mentioned, for those who might 
have actual biochemical changes because of birth control. There are positive external forces like the moon that you can connect with that aren't distracting or negative, um, which is awesome for those who are stuck in that box right now. Yeah. I would love to finish off with a QA. and a um, These are meant to be rapid fire, but sometimes we get into tangents. So if you feel a tangent coming on, don't be afraid. Uh, we support. Um, so can you give us maybe some period misconceptions? Ooh, yes. Love it. Um, so I think one of the biggest ones I thought of was that PMS is not normal. Um, everybody's like believes that your periods are painful. They're supposed to like be the worst thing on the planet. And they're not because through like nutrition and lifestyle shifts. And this is what like, this is probably one of the biggest things I work with with my clients is to like normalize that and reduce that. You will feel a bit of cramping because like your uterus is essentially kind of like sloughing off that lining. Um, but it shouldn't be debilitating. You shouldn't have to pop like 10 ibuprofen or take the day off or have menstrual migraines or nonstop cravings, all of those things. Those are all signifiers that something's off and something can be done. Um, the other misconception is that the period is the star of the show and it's not, it's ovulation. Ovulation is the star of the show. Um, because with ovulation, you produce progesterone and progesterone is like I said earlier, an amazing hormone. And we want to make sure that we ovulate every cycle. And it's not about getting pregnant or avoiding pregnancy. It's about essentially supporting your cycle and doing what it's meant to be doing. Um, let me see what else. Let me think of some other ones. Some other misconceptions are that, oh, this is one of my other favorites, is that you, like, you have a 28-day cycle, and that's not true. That's an average. Some people could have a 25-day cycle. Some people could have a 35-day cycle. It can go as short as 21, but ideally, I like to see, like, around 25, 35 days, because all of those are kind of determined by each phase. And then the other one is that you have to ovulate on day 14. And that's not true either. That's also an average. Some people can ovulate earlier. You know, if you, let's say, have a very short period of like three days, and then you have a very short like follicular phase, and then you ovulate on day 10, that would itself shorten your cycle. You could have like a 22-day cycle. So, yeah. And... um Another misconception is that it's the same every cycle. I've heard some people very proudly <laughs> express like, that's what I was going to ask. It's always 28 days. That's not true. I mean, I feel like that's very much once again, emphasizing the fact that you're like, like, I think you said, Ashley, like a robot, like we're not robots. Um, stress can impact things. Stress can shift things around. Ovulation can delay. Um, your period can get pushed back because of that. So. If you weren't a hormone coach, what would you be? Um, I would love to be a baker. This is just me like thinking it off the top of my head. Ooh, fun. Um, I'm not the best at baking, but when I was looking, so I used to work in higher education and I got laid off because they like closed the program. I was <laughs> like a program director of, 
money issues. Anyways, and like I would look at job openings and I was like, oh, what if I just like apply to be a baker? But you know, I had no experience. Um, I love to bake. I'm not the best. I love making galettes and I've perfected my banana bread. The family loves it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess I would do that. I, I love, yeah, I love looking at food. GBBO was probably one of my favorite shows. Um, love following food bloggers and all of that stuff on Insta. So it's just very calming to oh, me to like. Gonna need watch. that it's funny, bread right? recipe from you. <laughs> I'm like GBBO, Great British Bake Off. <laughs> I love yeah. that show too. <laughs> I've watched like every season. It's so soothing. It oh, is very so soothing. Positive. It's I love unusually soothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what I would be. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Um, can you tell us a little bit more of like a story that comes to mind when you think about a client that you feel you helped and, um, it was like a positive story and that represents some of like your best work. Like give us, give us one of your highlight stories. Well, I guess it'd be funny to say, but I guess it would be me because like essentially when you coach you, I'm like my number one client, you know, I, I don't recommend things to like my clients unless I've tried it out myself kind of thing. And like really seen like if I like herbal tea combinations, let's say like these three things. And then I kind of recommend it. I'm like, okay, that works. Cause I've um, tested it quote unquote on myself and my own cycle. Um, I think the other, the other thing to say is that I'm always learning and your cycle is not definite or defined it can always shift and in that way i can also further help my own clients like by by using myself as an example of that i'm not perfect I, you know earlier i mentioned like how my like ovulation was like severely delayed because of stress like you read it in a book you understand it i explain it to them um, it's so much more meaningful when I myself can say like, it's happened to me. This is why it's so important that we manage our stress, you know? So I guess I would be the <laughs> example. Perfect answer. Um, okay. Tell us a fun period fact, separate from misconceptions, just something fun. Look, this is a hard one. Um, <laughs> oh, well, something I do like. Well, no, when, when, I, when I do like is earlier when I mentioned about the seasons is thinking about your period or your menstrual cycle as the seasons. And so I love that concept. I, I don't know if I, I don't know who necessarily created it. It may have been indigenous Americans, but um, essentially like menstruation is inner winter. And if you can think of like anything else and remember anything else, it's that. It's like menstruation is in our winter. And so what do we do in the winter? We nest, we slow down, we eat more, we eat more warming foods, we sleep more naturally. Um, in our spring, follicular phase, like I said earlier. So that's when you start to kind of like gain a bit more energy, You kind of want to like peek out into the world, be a bit more creative. So think springtime, food shifts as well movement shifts as well um inner summer ovulation right now we're in the summertime so this is like for sure like peak social time right this is when we go out the most 
we like feel more abundant. We eat tons of fresh fruit and like, you know, fresh veggies, all that stuff. And then luteal phase being inner autumn. And then once again, that's like preparing to go back into that inward nature. Um, and we're moving towards that, you know, like, I mean, LA is so different because we're hot through like September, but like October, I feel like is naturally like that mark of like Halloween kind of like start prepping for all these different things. So I feel like um, that is like something really fun and positive about like your cycle. Yeah, that's really cute. I actually love that <laughs> so much. It really like <laughs> illustrates it perfectly. And it's just kind of like fun to think about. I was also just like, okay, if I can understand my different phases, maybe I can plan my months better. Like, okay, this is when I'm going to do my closet clean out. This is when I'm going to start my next piece of art. This is when I'm going to go and ask for my raise. <laughs> like, here we go. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I talk about a lot, a lot of this too on my IG page of like how to align. And like, I actually wrote a post specifically about that, but yeah, you would ask for that raise around ovulation. <laughs> thank you (laughs) I'm following you and I'm reading this post thoroughly (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) super helpful Uh, Jocelyn we love to end the episode by asking our guests to close us out with a thought Um, so if you could summarize this episode in a sentence or leave the audience with something to take away what would you give them so your period is your fifth vital sign it is just as important as your blood pressure, your breath, your temperature. My main takeaway would be to rest, rest during your period. And if you menstruate, you are magical, essentially. <laughs> <laughs>